This is the Gear Patrol podcast for Friday, September 17th, 2021. I'm Nick Caruso. We've got some nifty news to talk about, listeners, so I am glad you're here. First up, we're going to be covering the biggest announcements from this week's Apple event. This is one of, this is, I think, maybe the 14th or 15th Apple event this month. Can't can't keep track anymore. Uh, it's a big one, though. You know, the typical sort of maelstrom of new devices and upgrades uh, to cover. So we'll share that stuff and some opinions as well. Then we'll talk about the new Michelin Optis or Optis or Uptis. Not sure how to pronounce it, but what it is is an airless tire that's been expected for many, many years uh, now. And no pun intended, this thing is revolutionary, I think, in an objective way. Uh, but what do we think about the sort of practical use cases? And what are we still wondering about? Sort of a, a new frontier to change what the tire is. So we're going to talk through all of that. And then lastly, Taco Bell wants their sauce packets back, everyone. Uh, now that lots of Taco Bell orders are being delivered uh, in our brave new pandemic era, uh, even now, uh, more than ever, I should say, people are getting a lot of those little plastic sauce packets. And the company has a new system that allows folks to return those empty packets to be recycled, which is a good move. And we're going to talk all about it. And by we, I mean the people joining me today, which include... Henry Phillips, who has a new title this week. His title is now Associate Director of Production Design. Congrats, Henry, and welcome. Thank you. Um, I'd like to still be referred to as deputy, but... Yeah, okay, fine. That's fine. I'm Jack keeping the badge. <laughs> okay. And our first bleep of the day, right out of the gate. Um, and also here... Joining after a long time away is Eric Limer, senior editor covering tech and much more. Eric, we missed you. Hey, I missed being here, sort of, sometimes. Okay. Glad to be back. Good. Yeah, we're, we're happy you're here. Um, you're obviously here to, to, we brought up the big tech guns for this uh, Apple discussion, but um, always uh, eager to hear you weigh in on other stuff. Uh, have you recovered from the event? Uh, as as much as anyone can recover uh, from <laughs> modern life, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's drudgery. We were just kind of alluding to that before we hit record. Um, no, it's great. This is this actually makes it great. I, I always look forward to these uh, these chats. It's like we're in a room together and um, talking about products. It's just what our you know our, everyone's favorite pastime at Gear Patrol. So. It's nice to put a mic to it. So let's um, let's get into it. Let's get started. Uh, let's start with some of that, the, you know, the biggest product news of this week, that Apple event. We all know each of these events is just chock full of a lot of information. But this this September Apple event, the the is the sort of hallmark is that it heralds the arrival of new hardware. Uh, vis-a-vis uh, -vis, like the iPhones and iPads and Apple Watch uh, kind of stuff. And among the announcements and reveals this week were uh, iPhone 13, iPhone 13 mini, uh, a bigger screen for the Apple Watch or bigger available screen, uh, a new entry-level iPad and a totally redesigned iPad mini. So Eric, like I said, you're here to weigh in um, like sort of big time on this slew of announcements. But before we get into the nitty gritty, can I just get your overall take on the event itself? I was following your live Slack conversation, which was mostly with Henry, actually. And there are a lot of opinions. So what are the highlights? What are the hot takes? What, what's, uh, what was it like? Yeah, it was all right. There's this thing that happens with Apple events, I think more now than ever. Um, but there is this on-year, off-year cycle, especially for the, you know, the iPhones. I guess, like, maybe not more than ever, right? It used to be explicit. Uh, maybe it just feels more like, I don't know, since all of these are just numbered iPhones, uh, we don't have the, the S anymore. But, yeah. uh, but this year was definitely, like, when it came to, like, the big announcements was, mm. the, was a, like, slower year, which is, is sort of interesting for us, like, because it 
we can dig into the minutia a little bit more, which I think we'll get into. This was the first year uh, that I can remember in a while uh, where there were so many rumors from like pretty reliable sources that just turned out to be wrong. Um, so there was the rumor that the iPhone, or excuse me, there was the rumor that the Apple Watch Series 7 was going to have a drastic redesign, uh, and that didn't happen. Um, and then sort of a smaller note, but the the sort of like rumored uh, drops for the for this uh, event versus a hypothetical second event that I think we'll get was that mm-hmm. we were going to get uh, iPhone and Apple Watch at this event, and then maybe AirPods 3, which didn't happen, obviously, mm. uh, and that the iPads were going to come at a second event. And then, uh, I guess, spoilers for later in this conversation, but the iPads showed up. But like, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was all right. Like the summary, I would say, is like, you know, iPhone 13s, not that different. Uh, okay. Apple Watch Series 7, not that different. Uh, <laughs> iPad Mini, reasonably different. Okay. Uh, new entry level iPad, not that different. Um, so, so there is like sort of from the broad from the broad scale, it is a lot of like that. Um, you know, if you've ever watched an Apple event, you're familiar with you know best iPhone ever, uh, fastest ever, whatever, right? We got the new chips, Um, uh, you know, which is is all good uh, and, like, all true. Um, But this is definitely one of those years where I would say, like, the the, uh, compelling upgrades are, like, for, for people who aren't, like, on a very old phone that's on its last legs, aren't, like, super there. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that like seems there's a lot of stuff that has been like sort of inevitable and hasn't happened yet. And it's like maybe next year. Like, so, uh, so I, like one of the, 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 the design of the iPhone 13 isn't very different, right? The notch got like a little bit smaller, uh, uh in, in the physical form, it's basically the same. Um, but you know, there, there is some stuff that's been like floating around, like, uh, touch ID through the screen, mm-hmm. uh, the the notch going away completely, um, some sort of like AR tie-in uh, with like glasses at some point. None of that happened, you know? Um, right. But it seems like all of that is going to happen just because it's sort of inevitable and it's been rumored, but it's still sort of off in the future, which leaves, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it leaves this event as, as a little bit of a, a little bit of a shrug uh, for me, I'm curious. I'm curious what other what other folks uh, feel in, on the the sort of big picture. That's like that sounds like, like Henry. That sounds like a cue for you to start talking. Oh, I, is that that's how this is working? Um, yeah. No, I uh, conversation. I, I feel similarly. Um, I think you know we. It seems like we've seen a big uptick in Apple events. Maybe we have, or maybe we haven't. Eric, you might know better than me on that but i think i think there have been it's definitely i would have to crunch the numbers but it seems like in part because there's no reason or even possibility really to do these in person that apple has been feeling freer to just split things out into multiple events um, yeah but it's you know it seems like there are more events with fewer kind of real bombshell moments um there hasn't I mean, we, we follow this space so closely that it's hard to ever feel like, you know, there's something that comes around and like smacks you in the back of the head. Um, but these all, you know, they feel like fairly iterative, small refreshes. Um, you know, that being said, I'm an absolute slave to the iPhone upgrade program. So I will be ordering my iPhone 13, um, well before this podcast airs, uh, and but then, you know, on the flip side, my mom texted me this morning asking which phone she should upgrade to. And I immediately told her to get the 12 mini um, because it's just like, you know, if there's money to be saved, there's not a whole lot. Yeah, exactly. Right here. It's, this it's is it. Phenomenal. That's what I got. Um, I've loved every minute of it. Um, and, you know, like I, I feel like everybody always comes away from these iPhone events talking about how phone camera technology is like blowing things away and really, you know, stunning or something. And I don't, I don't know. I, I get like sucked into it for about 45 minutes, usually kind of during the event. And then I sit back and realize, you know, the camera's good enough. 
Well, what, what do you mean though? Let's del- delve into that a little bit. You were sort of, you're sort of like unimpressed by. Well, no, I mean, it's really impressive. It's a ton of like really interesting kind of iterative hardware and software innovation. Um, but it is marginal gains, uh, at least in my mind, you know, you, you're, you're seeing a lot of refinement, uh, a lot of things that are, are 20% better. 28% better was my joke yesterday. Um, <laughs> Everything's always 28% better. Um, And so, you know, things are better. They're generally better if you're upgrading. My sense, at least, is that if you're upgrading from two or three generations ago, it's going to be a great phone. If you're upgrading from the previous generation, you're probably not going to notice it day to day. It's kind of like a, it almost seems like a a cost of living raise. You know, you get that 3% at the end of the year just to keep... uh, keep you going <laughs> yeah except it's the except it's the opposite of that uh because it's like the on the extra money that you have to spend because now i believe the uh the baseline uh uh models of the iphone 13 they have more storage now but they're also more expensive um so, so right so uh, well let's 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 go into there that's a that's a great uh, segue so the first sort of product group that we wanted to cover are the, is the new iPhone, the 13, and the 13 mini. So what's new? Like, put this in context for us and, and you know, run us through those details. Like, you were just talking about price and everything. Yeah, so, I mean, I would say the, the, uh, the most important things uh, that are new is the uh, chipset, right? Mm-hmm. This is the A15 Bionic, which always you know brings increases in performance and increases in battery life uh through you know efficiency gains but then that stuff always it's the sort of inevitable uh you know pop of improvement and then fades away as like hardware gets more capable then suddenly the software gets more hungry and it always sort of balances out um but uh yeah and then um there is uh, I, I think the other thing that like is the most important for like quality life is the uh, the base storage. Each the iPhones have uh, base storage capacity of 128 uh, gigabytes, which is a fair amount. Um, which is enough- replacing like what used to be 64, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which definitely gives you a little bit more elbow room, uh, which is good, uh, but it also comes at the cost of a a uh, hundred dollar price increase for the for the baseline models, um, and then and then yeah, there there's there's some um, there's some uh, camera upgrades. I, I believe uh, one of the things there is is they're bringing the optical image stabilization that was originally on the pro uh, models of the twelve uh, mm-hmm. to the to the baseline thirteens, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is cool and good. Um, but again, it's one of those things where it's like, if you have it, uh, you'll appreciate it. Um, but uh, is not really that uh, exciting to me, anyway. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of the that's sort of the 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 uh, the main thrust of it. Like, and, and like I was uh, gesturing it before, they're the same size uh, right. as the previous models, uh, same design. Uh, I think the camera bumps are a little are slightly. Uh, differently sized, which means that case compatibility is probably uh, a little bit of a pain in the ass. But other than that, <laughs> pretty similar. Um, so, so yeah, that's pretty much the, the the main bits of it. Right. And Henry, I mean, you were talking about your jokes about percent increases. There are. I'm just looking over some stuff here. Like one of the 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 figures I'm seeing is like a screen that's 20 percent brighter, which is. Great. I mean, a brighter yeah. screen is really helpful for stuff, but it is sort of sort of funny that it's always something like that. Um, well, why bother making it forty percent when you can make it two years of twenty percent? You know. Ooh, cynical. That's uh, it's yeah. I, Henry, with your new title, are you twenty percent more cynical? Is that? I think what? that's how it works. Yeah, I'm fairly sure. No, I mean, I I'm cynical about all of this, but I wasn't joking. Like, I will be buying the new phone. Sure. Of course I have a perfectly will. functioning 12 mini. I will be buying the 13 mini for no reason other than I can. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the, so yeah, you're talking about price. 
the you're going through the upgrade program, but if someone's going to come into this, that is that is sort of a sticking point here, right? Um, the the mini starts at six ninety nine. The iPhone thirteen uh, full size thing starts at seven ninety nine. Um, do either of you have any insight into why they eliminated the the low capacity uh, for like hard drive? Is it because people just weren't buying it in, in large enough numbers? It's kind of what I assume. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say for sure with all of this stuff. There's like a little bit of a uh, a backstory with this with Apple because they, I mean, they used to sell iPhones with really like paltry amount of onboard storage space. Uh, I I want to say it was it can't have been 16 gig. Uh, but it, maybe, I mean, it, it was at one point, it definitely was. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess it, like, they were terrible. Point. Yeah. And, and so, so that sort of like, I think, I think part of it is, is a sort of swing in the other direction there to not, you don't want to be, uh, especially when, when there are so many, so few options available for iPhones, uh, like you can end up with a situation where it's like, oh, the iPhone, that's the phone that doesn't have storage on it versus, hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, Android phones, which some of which may have very small storage, but like some of which might have a, a ton or whatever. I think part of it is a little bit of a reaction to that. Also, it's just like, this is a this is an easy way to charge more money for a phone. And I, I think that's always been part of how uh, pricing tiers in like ex- consumer electronics goes in general, right? Like mm-hmm. if you if you look at like the 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 raw prices of like memory and whatever, if if you're looking at it for like a laptop or like a or a PC or something that you can build, um, you'll see that like the the cost of memory is way lower than the the premium that goes up on a gadget when the memory increases. Um, but it is sort of a way that like they can they can get you to like for a while, right? Like you'll see this a lot with all kinds of consumer electronics where the the two options that you have are the uh, the more affordable option with not enough memory and then the more expensive option with too much. Yeah. Uh, and so sort of what this is, is an, is an opportunity for them to increase the baseline price of the iPhone 13, which is like a big deal. Um, but it's not just a price hike, right? Because it is also this other thing that is ostensibly... And is is going to make life better for everybody who buys the iPhone 13? Or would everybody choose to pay that hundred dollars for the extra storage? Of course not. Um, but uh, now they're getting it, whether they like it or not. And I mean, uh, that's uh, that's that's a completely legitimate decision for for Apple to make because the alternative is that they could put way too little. Uh, memory on there and then uh try to get you to subscribe to iCloud forever right um so it's it's sort of either way yeah yeah it kind of balances out yeah that's kind of what i was going to say too is it also there is i mean there is some practical um reason for this too i mean as cameras get better sensors get bigger the files get bigger and if you're not diligent about removing photos and stuff you're going to fill up your your uh, phone pretty quickly. I've always gotten the 128. Um, so yeah. And if you, baller, if you're looking for a segue into the, uh, iPhone 13, uh, pros read uh, my mind, Eric, you know, there's, there's stuff that, but I mean, it relates directly to what you were saying because, uh, the, a, a, uh, a fact about the iPhone 13 Pro is that its baseline is also the 128. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a, a big talking point for the features for the the Pro, and maybe maybe Henry can talk about this a little bit. This is the sort of like you know uh, cinema tech stuff where they're doing a lot of computational uh, photography to try and and uh, replicate uh, you know cinematography techniques, etc. And and so also you know shooting in 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 high resolution or whatever. The baseline uh, 128 uh, gigabyte model of the uh, iPhone 13 Pro actually does not support video recording at the highest possible resolutions that the 13 Pro can offer, ostensibly because it would just fill up your phone too fast. Oh, no kidding. That's funny. 
but I mean, what you were kind of alluding to also is that the Pro and Pro Max, which are, of course, have much more advanced uh, sort of camera hardware and the, the Max is just big, um, are available now. You can get a terabyte storage option in these, yeah. a terabyte, which is it, the a first for Apple. This is big news. Yeah, it's uh, it's wildly expensive as well. Uh, <laughs> Tell us about it, it. It is, I believe, uh, you know, your baseline prices are uh, for for the Pro and Pro Max are a thousand dollars and eleven hundred dollars. Yeah, and the uh, one terabyte model is uh, five hundred additional dollars. Whoa. Um, so, uh, <laughs> which is like, yeah, you can sort of see where the where the uh, you know. Uh, the upsell is happening there, but, but like, I mean, if you have that kind of money you pay and you never have to worry about storage again, even if you're, you know, shooting in ridiculously high resolution, I guess, um, it is, it is interesting that, that they're, that they're going there. Um, I believe, yeah. uh, some iPads have offered some of the iPad pros have had a terabyte for a while. Right. Henry, uh, why wouldn't you go for a pro or pro max as a, as a um, photographer? I suppose that's a good question. I, I considered it. Uh, I, I like the pro a lot. I like the, uh, some of the added kind of optical features are really impressive and the, the sensors, especially on the, on the cameras are, are really, really impressive. Um, mm -hmm. but ultimately it's too big for me. Um, yeah. I, I love the mini. Um, and if they made a pro mini, I'd buy that, but they don't. So I won't. Um, and the size matters more to me than, than the camera performance. Um, but I mean, the pros are really compelling in a kind of weird way. Um, I think they're, they're compelling to me because I know how cool all of those features are. Um, but I don't think I'd ever use them. Um, right. I love the idea of being able to record in ProRes, um, which is the format that, that Eric was, was mentioning, um, and is really just a really high, um, high quality, high bitrate um, video. Um, so you can, it's what you would get if you shot on any sort of pro camera. Uh, and it's, it's cool, but like, who am I sharing a pro res 4k video with? I tried to do that in Slack once and people got mad at me. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like probably 300 megabytes. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, they're, it's cool. The, the pro is cool. Um, and I like the way it looks. I think that the shiny sides are vastly superior to the normal, 13s kind of matte sides. Um, that was almost enough to put me over the put me over the edge. The shiny yeah, sides. It's kind of like a, like a chromed out uh, look yeah, to the, the pro models. Yeah, it's really pretty pretty good looking. I, I don't love the baby blue though. Yeah, talk about colors a little bit because we had the the last time was it just in the spring we got the purple iPhone I think unless I'm screwing up my my time references and now we have like baby blue. Purple, I think, was like a, a real limited edition drop. Uh, but I remember, I can't remember what the, was the 12 the dark green or was that the 11? I don't remember. Honestly, I never pay attention to phone callers because it's just like gray or black. Like, yeah, that's that's it. I I, I guess I understand why people are, are into that uh, to, to the other options, but it has, yeah. it has never appealed to me. Yeah, no, I uh Someone I really respect, like years and years ago, uh, told me that they only buy their Apple products in white uh, because something about Steve Jobs or Johnny Ive or something. Um, <laughs> and now that's all I do. Uh, I only buy okay. Apple products in white because I'm easily influenced. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the, uh, the pro here, there are four colors. It's the graphite, gold, which just kind of looks like cream. Uh, white and then the baby blue you're talking about, Henry, is called Sierra Blue. Um, I don't know. They're, it's interesting offering. I'm always, I always get black. I was tempted to go blue this time, um, but with mine when I when I upgraded. But uh, I'm not as I'm not as brave as you are, Henry. I'm not brave. <laughs> I bought a gold MacBook once because I thought it was funny. Uh, I returned it like two days later. I, I couldn't do it. I was like so excited in my kind of slightly inebriated impulse buy uh, mm -hmm. and instantly regretted it. Yeah. Well, 
you're forgiven. Uh, just stick with stick with the white. I think it's probably Steve's shoes or something um, is the reference there. Uh, but for people interested in the phones, um, covered prices, but uh, the 13 and 13 mini are available for pre-order uh, the 17th, which if you're, this is the earliest you could possibly be listening to this podcast. So uh, by the time you hear it, uh, they'll be re- uh, available and then they will be everywhere on the 24th of September. Uh, same for the pro models. Uh, let's move on to Apple watch. Um, the, the big news here is a big screen uh, available. Eric, can you give us a kind of a rundown? Yeah, I mean, that's really the most notable thing about it. Uh, it uh, has uh, it has the bigger screen. And by bigger screen, it's it's one of those situations where uh, the physical size is the same, the bezels got smaller, so there's more screen space. Um, and uh, it's a little bit more rugged with like a IPX6 rating, um, which is some degree of waterproofness. I, I forget which off the top of my head. Um, but that's really about it ultimately uh yeah the the watch isn't isn't that uh different it's got the bigger screens because the bezels are smaller um Mm -hmm. but otherwise uh not much has changed uh some people have been digging around in uh in some like uh technical specs and whatnot and it it appears that uh there's evidence to suggest that the apple watch series 7 is running on the same chip that the uh that the series 6 did um so it's 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 a very um, it's a relatively small uh, upgrade if that's the case. Um, yeah, uh, actually, the the upgrade uh, in terms of the size of that that screen, the display is Henry's favorite number here anymore, right? A twenty percent bigger screen. It's just you know we we live in a twenty percent world. That's right. Probably not um, Gladwell thing about that. No, definitely. We're going to have him on next week to, to talk about it. Uh, it has, um, but anyway, you were, I mean, you alluded to all this, Eric. I mean, there's a more, it's more durable design in, in some way. There's a, there's an IPX6 waterproof water resistance rating. Um, Tucker um, in his story here, his piece called it the, the most rugged Apple watch yet. Um, and uh, says it ships, there's another one shifts with a charging puck that'll charge it up to 33% faster. Um, so is that, is that most of the takeaway from that? Is it kind of bigger, maybe running on the same chip? Um, yeah, more or less. Upgrade? Yeah. It, it seems like if there is going to be a big upgrade, it's still sort of off in the future. There's no new health uh, stuff with this one. Um, you know, there's, there's been rumors floating around about uh, new, uh, new health stuff, whether it's like uh, like uh, drunk detection or like you know the the thing that everybody has been waiting on for an Apple Watch to do forever is blood blood glucose monitoring, which mm-hmm. like you know who knows if if that will ever happen. Um, so there there is like again sort of these theoretical you know big health updates in the future, but but this is basically just a better Series Six is, is what it appears to be. Uh, Apple spent a lot of time at the event talking about um, Apple Fitness Plus, which is you know uh, cool and which you can use your uh, Apple Watch Series Seven with, but which you could also use your Apple Watch Series Six with. Um, so that was that was sort of the main the main focus uh, when when this was discussed on stage. Right Eric, do you, do you think that the rumor mill like blew it or somehow skipped a generation? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I feel like given where these rumors uh came from and like the sort of reliable uh folks like uh, Matt Gurman at, at Bloomberg is is one of them. Uh it seems unlikely to me that they're like baseless. Uh, and so it, it does seem to me like either, uh, either, you know, something got mixed in the messaging and, and features for a future watch got attributed to the series seven, or maybe Apple made a decision to like pull back on something at the last minute, which is certainly possible if you look at like what the series seven actually is, or, I mean, there's always the possibility that like Apple is trying, it's like seeding fake information. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's impossible to, yeah. impossible to tell, but 
uh, I definitely, I definitely get the feeling that that uh, th these these other rumors came from from somewhere and that they're based in something. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, people love to speculate anymore. These are like rumor machines. These these events and uh, just sort of like seeing the payoff is is. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see the betting odds for a lot of this stuff. Um, but uh, so we, we've sort of alluded to the iPad. You said you were spoiling some stuff for us. There are two two um, product announcements here to cover. So first, there's the completely redesigned iPad Mini, which is I, I think is really cool, big, ironically big news, and then uh, a new entry level iPad. So can we go in those in that order and just sort of like walk us through what uh, what we've got going on? Yeah, sure. So the iPad mini has a uh, has a, a bigger effective screen, smaller bezels. Uh, Apple calls it edge to edge, which I, I guess is technically true of any screen. Uh, there is a bit of a border around it, um, but it's uh, it's more evenly distributed uh, than the than the old like uh, forehead and chin uh, designs. Uh, so uh, yeah, that display comes out to be 8.3 inches. Uh, it's got Touch ID integrated into its power button uh, so cool. at, at the top. Um, you know, improved camera systems, uh, support for the second generation Apple Pencil, and also you can get it uh, with wireless uh, 5G connectivity, which you know makes it a sort of different class of device for people who want to use it in like a sort of like on the go sort of professional capacity. I can see where there's some potential there. I think maybe the biggest and most interesting thing that like hints at some other stuff is that uh it doesn't have a lightning port it's got a USB-C port yeah uh, which is also what the ipads pro ipad pros have uh and now to to go into the the other like entry-level ipad that's mainly a, a camera update it's got uh it's got um a uh a wide angle uh front-facing camera and it has a uh, center stage which is uh something i think that was revealed with the uh, with the IMAX, but yes. it's basically a wide angle camera and then it digitally pans around uh, as mm -hmm. like a video conferencing thing. Uh, but the entry level iPad still has the lightning port, which means that it is like one of the few, I mean, the, 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 um, the iPhones do as well. But that's one of the other rumors that's floating around, right? Is that we're eventually gonna get, especially with the return of MagSafe, that we're gonna get uh, a fully portless uh, iPhone in the future and the iPad mini going to USB-C along with the iPad pros, which are sort of more laptop adjacent, I think really hints at that possibility. Like, you know, the entry level art iPad is sort of like a, something that Apple is like producing and selling at like huge scale. And like, I'm sure like they have a lot of, um, you know, uh, capacity to make lightning stuff for that purpose. But I do think that the the mini switching to C is a pretty good indicator that the lightning port is probably going to go away in the near future. All right. Um, yeah, no doubt if people are are buying that entry level iPad, they probably have um, probably have lightning devices already, so they're they're uh, familiar with that ecosystem. But um, tell you what, get them while you can. Uh, so it, those are all cool. Uh, Upgrades, obviously, things to look out for. It's I want to just touch on pricing real quick, and then we can move on. But the the new iPad Mini uh, will start at four ninety nine, uh, and the the entry level iPad starts at three twenty nine. And I understand all of the tech specs and like capabilities and everything make those numbers a reality. But it's always funny to me that the tiny little iPad costs so much more than like the full size entry-level iPad. Um, but um, here we are. It's the world we live in. <laughs> it's the 20% world, right, Henry? It's better, man. Don't ask how much better. <laughs> uh, closing remarks on the event. Uh, anything Anything else we need to, uh, to hit on before we move on to some exciting tire news? No, I think, I think we, uh, I think we hit most of it. Uh, up front, it's one of those things where, oh, well, I guess, I guess the other thing to mention is this sort of like what didn't get announced. Um, yeah. so there is, there are rumors of, you know, another event later this fall, October, maybe November. Um, mm. that's where 
we were expecting max stuff, a lot of max stuff. Last year um, was when Apple put its new like homegrown M1 chip into MacBooks for the first time. Um, yeah, right. And what it did there, it, what it did then was put its new its new uh, its new chip, which is going to make it possible to make these things much smaller. But it put it in like the old bodies, um, so you ended mm. up with a, a MacBook that looked the same, uh, but had a different chip in it. So this fall, we're expecting we're expecting the big update on the MacBooks um, because they could be a lot smaller. They could stand to be a lot smaller and slimmer. Um, so that's sort of the thing to look forward to um, in in the coming months. Yeah, that'd be big news. I actually just yesterday, absentmindedly, I hadn't thought about this until now, was um, sort of like I don't know, reading something online or whatever, and I was just just goofing around, just like flipping my finger, like popping my finger off the edge of my MacBook, just to like I don't know, fiddle, uh, fidget spin, so to speak. And I was like, I suddenly realized, gosh, that thing's really thick, which is really ridiculous because you know coming from uh someone who had like a three inch thick uh laptop in college and like is looking at something that is a miraculous feat of design on his on his desk here is thin but uh the idea that these could go thinner and be so much more capable is pretty exciting so hopefully that is a rumor that comes true i don't want any of these fake rumors starting on this podcast okay this is not what the what this is for um, so we're going to come after you, Eric, if it doesn't be prepared, please. Do. But, yeah, <laughs> we will. Out of my misery. Yeah, that's right. We'll run you over with our cars that feature brand new tires, which is the worst segue I think in several weeks, uh, that I've done on here. But our second story is, uh, from Michelin tire company, Michelin also restaurant star company, Michelin, but that's another discussion. Uh, Michelin has these airless car tires. So uh, what we've got here is is a story that's actually been sort of stewing for about 15 years. Um, they finally announced that this airless passenger car tire will be hitting the road. Uh, back in the mid-aughts, Michelin made ways when they announced something called the Tweel, T-W-E-E-L. Uh, now they're officially launching uh, this product called the Uptis Uptis, still not sure. U P T I S. Uh, so these products, and this this new one that's real uh, specifically, is a wheel and airless tire combo that features these sort of rubber spokes um, in place of a inflatable tire. So they these spokes suspend and sort of cushion and deform as the car moves down the road and hits things and runs over things. And they are, of course, in lieu of that traditional tire that we're all used to. And there are advantages. There are no more punctures or blowouts to, you know, stop you on the highway. Um, you don't have to worry about tire pressure, obviously. Uh, these spokes that make up the structure of the tire thing are, are, are tunable for lack of a better word, uh, for different conditions and driving styles. And then you could even put, you could put drain holes in the structure of these things to eliminate hydroplaning effectively. And then, then probably the best, uh, spec here is that there's, there's less raw material involved in making these things, which means there's less energy needed, which means they're, a, a you know, marginally, maybe 20%, don't know, more, uh, eco-conscious. So, Henry, what do you think about these? Are you are you ready to drive around uh, in airless tires, or are these just a gimmick, or or what? Are, what are your Hell thoughts? Hell yeah, I'm hype. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. My my joke in Slack was uh, that this feels like one of those things that will just kind of become normal uh, in a surprisingly short amount of time. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of disadvantage for the daily driver. Um, Unless you're in Michigan and you need like a little cover for your spokes so they don't freeze up or something. <laughs> yeah. It's snowing your spokes. Yeah, that's actually a good point. I hadn't thought about that. You could get, you know, water or ice in there and, and I guess it has to be crunched around. 90 pound wheels. Um, yeah, I don't know. They seem cool though, right? Like it's, uh, they, there's a lot of advantage and not a ton of disadvantage and it seems like they've cracked the manufacturing. Um, so hell yeah, throw them on everything, man. 
All right. Yeah, they look really wild, too. I mean, truly just very strange. Uh, these honeycomb sort of spoke structures. Um, really interesting to look at and uh, would, would be an interesting addition to any vehicle that I've seen some people sort of be dubious about speed ratings on these. Like, could you actually do all the performance stuff that we like to do with certain cars? Uh, but that remains to be seen, I guess. Eric, what do you think? What are your What's your takeaway here? Yeah, so this might seem a little bit out there, but I, I think I can draw it together. But you know what this uh, makes me think of? Uh, remember compact fluorescent bulbs? Sure. <laughs> Uh, remember how those were, I would say were a thing. They're not a thing anymore. Right. Uh, That's right. but they were, they certainly were a thing. This, I, I have to like confess to not knowing enough about like exactly about how the industry works, uh, to like, you know, make this, uh, comparison too solidly. But my, my understanding of essentially what happened with compact fluorescent bulbs was that similar to these airless tires, they had a, they had some huge advantages, right? Like uh, now we're in LED bulb world where we have a lot of those same advantages still. But like when the fluorescent, compact fluorescent bulbs came around, it was like, well, these will last forever mm -hmm. uh, and they're way more efficient. So they'll like mm -hmm. save you on your energy bill. But the thing about them, about the, the bulbs, was that they were like obnoxious in a few small ways that like incandescent light bulbs aren't obnoxious, they like had kind of gnarly color balance. They would sometimes take a minute to like boot up. Uh, mm -hmm. They wouldn't work well on dimmer switches. And if right. I remember correctly, another thing is like if they got too hot, their like lifespan would go way down. So all these things were like pretty minor compared to like the huge advantages, right? Of like not having to replace your like light bulbs all the time. But those like little advantages created these frictions, these frictions, uh, created these multiple points of friction uh, where people were like, oh, wow, I guess this thing is better. But like, man, it's a pain in the ass. And then that sort of like was a, you know, a speed bump uh, mm. to adoption. And I, I do sort of have to wonder if there is something similar with these airless tires, like if I can I can imagine a world where they are like better in a lot of ways uh, and like comparable maybe in all ways, but like they are like slightly annoying in some small way. Like if the ride isn't like quite as good, or like you know maybe just imagine it's like yeah you never have to replace your tires again. You never have to deal with a blowout, which I think is something that it's it's bad to have to deal with, but like relatively rare. But like and say say imagine if going over potholes in these like sucks. Like, yeah, I'm not going to, no one's going to want to pick that. Uh, so I, I do, I do think that there is maybe like, I feel like little convenience things can be like a huge, uh, huge barrier to adoption for tech like this, unless it's like mandated, right? Unless like, uh, you know, uh, traditional tires become illegal, but like, that's not going to happen. Probably um, not. So, that's a really... Yeah, it's a really interesting comparison with the CFLs. Of course, it would, for anybody who's not not totally tracking, the compact fluorescents were these. You've probably seen them. There are light bulbs. There are like fluorescent light bulbs that you would get in, a, in the like the stick things that mount in the ceiling, but miniaturized and wrapped up into this squiggly little compact shape that looked like a little brain almost. Um, and I guess you know that's really funny. I don't think about those very much, but they didn't last all that long on the, like in, yeah. as a product, right? They no, were they got, like they got beat out by LEDs almost immediately. As soon as LEDs became not absurdly expensive, right? They just got annihilated. And that is that is the like important bit of context is that like the end of that story isn't that, and we're still using incandescent light bulbs today. Like we're not, but we but the uh the solution that had like those little user hitches like those those little inconveniences were enough to really slow down adoption in order and in a way that you know it could get ko'd by a different tech so like so i mean yeah who, who knows who knows how, th how this will play out but i am i am always with new stuff like that i am always like what is the small 
thing that could be a real deep deal breaker for people who have the the option to not adopt the weird new thing you know that's smart yeah you should um they should marketing people should get you in those uh, focus groups you'd be you'd be a terror uh <laughs> henry what do you what do you um how does it feel now that you jumped on the bandwagon, like essentially the CFLs of, of tires? How does that make you feel? Well, I think, you know, we've yet to see if they have the real, you know, they could be the LEDs. Uh, but okay. uh, no, I mean, I'm really curious to see these come out and, and I hope they do. Um, I do think there will always be, you know, the airy, the, I, you got to come up with a name for people who favor, pneumatic tires uh mm -hmm. those pneumos bubbles bubble people those bubble folks yeah uh i think there's going to be a place for for <laughs> this is so hard to describe for inflated tires uh for some time to come i imagine especially you know you mentioned the, the kind of performance driver yeah. um it not to wow, we're doing good at drawing historical connections to I love it. slightly failed products. But remember <laughs> when run flat tires showed up? Heck uh, yeah, they showed up everywhere. Yes, they did. Uh, and I think like BMW wholesale adopted them across the entire line, including you know all, a bunch of their M cars, and everybody hated them for it because mm -hmm. uh, they were terrible, much like com compact fluorescent light bulbs. Yeah, they kind of felt like, I mean, they drove like they were roller skate wheels, right? They're like the solid state, rigid, sort yeah. of like shitty feeling. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I, I I can't imagine like owning a classic Mustang and and deciding to put airless tires on the, these yeah, weird like wild. rubber turbines on the side of my, my car. But um, I don't know, it remains to be seen. That, an interesting thing is that um, these tires from Michelin already exist in other applications, not passenger cars, like yeah. uh, utility sort of stuff, like uh, lawn care, uh, like riding mowers and, and, and the like. Um, I don't know. I don't have anywhere to go with that statement other than that they exist. Um, but maybe that's an application that would, you know, yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Like Henry was saying, if, if somebody like, adopts them like puts them on something that like people are are already sort of buying because i do think that that barrier is like i i don't know about you guys sort of what you were saying with that mustang uh if somebody gave me a set of these tires mm -hmm. for free would i put them on my car i don't know if somebody paid me a hundred dollars to do it maybe like i, I think i think it's like it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be someplace where it's just like, oh, yeah, this is your only option now. Um, right. Yeah. Which I mean, we'll see. I, I think regardless of like whether or not it pans out, Michelin is obviously going to like, they've sunk a lot into this. They need to like keep, uh, keep trying to make it work. And like, it is a nice thing to like have to be able to like hold up uh, for your uh, rubber tire brand of being like, we're trying to, we're trying to uh, make the good version of this. Um, so I can see right. why they, I can see why they keep pushing at it. Um, yeah. Future proof themselves. Yeah. Um, really, really take the, uh, the window of competition sales, if you, have, if you will. No, there's an air, like an air joke. An air, but we're, yeah. we're not talking about sales. We're talking about wheels. Okay. Well, yeah. maybe that's. And it's more about the, pressure than it is about like flow. Yeah. Okay. Pressure. You have no. You have no idea how much pressure I'm under right now. Um, fair enough. I. You know. I think that. Um, you know. Maybe the the LED of tires will be sort of like the uh, the Back to the Future thing, where it's sort of like the the wheels point down the ground and some sort of hover mechanism shows up. Sure. But uh, this is this. Yeah. Right. So this is a nice. I'd put those on my Mustang. A. And uh, this is a nice uh, CFL step. Uh, for now, at least it's, it'll be really interesting to see these on the road, uh, soon. Story three, we're going to wrap up with a fun one. Um, it's a fun story that may actually also do good or uh, truly does objectively, I guess. Taco Bell has announced this program for recycling used sauce packets. Uh, the company says that over 8 billion with a B packets end up in landfills each year meaning 
you get them, you use them, you throw them away. Um, and they're plastic. They're this weird, gross, like rubbery plastic thing with foil on them. Uh, and they've, uh, they, meaning Taco Bell, has teamed up with this firm called TerraCycle um, to arrange this process whereby users collect their packets you know, as they use them, send them into TerraCycle in the prepaid shipping situation. And then those packets are cleaned, thankfully, uh, then melted down and then molded into this kind of plastic material that can be used to make new stuff. So um, focus group, Eric, what's your initial reaction to this recycling system? Uh, I sort of like hate to be a crank, but I can't <laughs> help it. I, I hate this stuff, man. I like, sure. Really? I, mean, I guess like, well, I, this, uh, to, to make another, to do another analogy thing, Let's this just reminds it. me so much of, I mean, this one's more directly related. This one just reminds me so much about the plastic straw stuff. Um, where it is, it's one of those things where it's like a small thing that like ostensibly like doesn't hurt, but like, I'm not convinced that it like matters that much. I, if they don't want all of these plastic, uh, um, packets to be going into landfills, it seems like the solution to me is to make the packets out of something else, like not be producing all of these things. Don't put the onus on me to have to like send the packets back. I didn't ask for this. I'm frankly like. I don't know. It, the The barrier to entry for that is really high. I, in in general, like I get it that people want to like, uh, you know, global warming is scary and and climate change is scary and people want to do stuff to like be more green or whatever. But like, until like Exxon Mobil doesn't exist anymore, like if I I would say like uh, if it helps you sleep at night to like recycle uh, three. Taco Bell sauce packets, like fine, but like actually not fine because it shouldn't help you sleep at night. I don't think it's helping that much. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's sort of my rant on that. I mean, I, I, I guess it's fine or whatever, but like, I don't know, buy a bottle of hot sauce. They should start selling bottles of hot sauce. I don't know. It seems like there's a couple of different better ways that you could go about this. I mean, that that, that makes sense, Henry. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm firmly on the, the grouch train here. Um, <laughs> I just, I cannot understand how this even remotely makes sense. Like they must plan, be, they must be planning to recycle between like 15 and 20 sauce packets total, because this is just like a nonsensical thing. And why don't they just not give out the sauce packets unless you ask for them? Right. Like surely that would save infinitely more sauces than like literally everything they're trying. I to have to. I have to. I didn't. I didn't look far enough into this to like confirm or whatever. I have to imagine that there's something going on here involving tax credits for like recycling. Oh, sure. Or something, oh, I love you it. You know that would Burn make that would make something like this uh, make make some amount of of sense. But yeah, I it yeah I. Not not giving people the sauce packets unless they ask for them seems like the like very uh, simple uh, way to start here. Which maybe maybe to be fair, maybe they already do do that. I, I'm not. Sure. I'm trying really hard to find out. I'm. I'm yeah, get I'm on it, Henry. The Taco Bell I mean, website. But we, you know, we all live in New York, where like ordering food delivery is pretty common. So I'm sure we've all done it a few times. Um, how many times have you clicked the thing that says "Don't give me plastic silverware" and they just do it anyway? Don't make me do this, I, Nick. Honestly, honestly, I stopped doing that because I don't think it necessarily affects how much plastic silverware the, the restaurant is buying. And furthermore, I don't think that how much rest, how much plastic silverware that individual restaurant is buying has that much of an effect on how much plastic silverware is like being produced. I don't know. It's the 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 individual recycling initiatives really sort of. Um, do sort of get under my skin. I, it used to make me feel a little bit better to like ostensibly be doing something that was helping, but increasingly it just makes me frustrated because I'm like, how could this small thing possibly help solve a problem that is so huge? <laughs> right. I, I mean, your point, both of your points about um, just like doing away with the packets to begin with is a good one. I think, um, I mean, I don't even know. Can you buy Taco Bell hot sauces in stores? Probably not, right? Uh, 
Probably not in stores, though. I bet there's like a, a merch drop situation. Yeah, they should get on that. Give us, you know, the, it should be kind of like um like a soda stream kind of thing where you just like run out of the, the container and then bring it in. They give you a new one or yeah. like kerosene, you know. Well, there's a focus group idea for you. Taco Bell, sell me a bottle of taco sauce that like gives me a discount on like my next orders or something. I don't know. It yeah. seems like there must be a, a better. There, a better there were. Yeah. It feels like there's some advantageous things going on, or maybe they thought it was just a really good press release. I don't it, but to the idea that like, you, you know, Joe Taco Bell consumer is going to stash all of his like grody. Yeah. That's mostly used, but not sauce packets in a box. Um, it's like I'm not going to mention container. like a certain Reddit thread that this immediately reminds me of. Um, oh God, Henry! I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to. Um, just anyway, it. but like it's. Uh, but you, you like where? Where is the critical mass when you decide to send your sauces in? Like e- even in their little primer, they say you know once you have enough sauces. It's like what? Like, I don't understand. Um, anyway, yeah, what um, that would be. how many sauce, do you guys know how much, how many packets of sauce you would get with an order? It must be like four. I think it's a shitload. I think, oh, it depends, really? I think it depends on how big the person serving you's hands are. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. It, uh, it is an interesting, you guys bring up interesting points. I was kind of expecting this to be a little more pro program, but you, you're swaying me. One interesting thing, I mean, you know, kind of uh, supporting your cynicism here is um, this figure out of the article I shared with you guys, which I'm just going to, there's a quote, if everyone on the planet recycled one Taco Bell sauce packet, there would still be another 420 million packets heading to a landfill on an average year. And I don't know what that means. That doesn't seem to true up with like the 8 billion packet thing Taco Bell was talking about. So I'm not totally sure who's saying the right thing, but the, the overarching point though, is that there, I mean, there are too many of them, right? And it's a problem, clearly a problem. There's that, there's the, the, the plastic wear, there's the packaging itself. I know we're kind of like done with the era of styrofoam, but Maybe we're just in the CFL stage of (laughs) packaging. I'm pretty firmly of the position that basically every uh, like recycling issue is like a supply side problem, right? Like if you don't want all this stuff going to landfills, like stop making it. Like, and I I get, I get that it's expensive to like, you know, find an alternative or whatever, but that's something that like we as a society need to figure out uh, how we can, you know, liquidate Exxon Mobil and then put all of those resources into making biodegradable taco sauce packets, you know, there you go. not, not to feed the, uh, the, I mean, there's a, there's a sauce called fire, right? So we're making a joke here. There's not to feed the fire. Um, Ugh. but, uh, I knew this had like registered with my, with me. Um, and I actually thought it was related to the launch of this recycling program. Um, but there was a, a, you know, like semi-viral, uh, kind of image uh, where someone had received 44 packets of Taco Bell hot sauce with one order. Uh, And, you know, the answer seems to be maybe 20, 15. You want some, you want some gordita with your hot sauce? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely too many. I feel like Michelin and Taco Bell can get together here and sort of like, Right. Maybe. How do we make tires out of hot sauce packets? <laughs> yeah. Or like maybe the, the idea is it, I mean, selling a sauceless packet really wouldn't, that would be a direct no. analogy, but you kind of have to flip it. It's a like packet a packet sauce. Exactly. You just need some sort of like, maybe it's a hard ball of sauce that you have to like. The bag is sauce. <laughs> the bag is sauce. <laughs> yeah. See, we're coming up with good stuff. I think, I think we've landed in a good place. Um, but, um, I don't know. I'd be curious to see what, uh, listeners, if you are Taco Bell, uh, eaters, sauce people, um, do you feed the fire? Does the fire feed you? 
there's a lot of questions that we can ask here. Um, but we do have to wrap it up. We've been going on for a long time because we really delved into a lot of deets today. Uh, so thank you all for tuning in. Thank you guys for your opinions. I'm going to cut it short right here. Um, but if anybody listening uh, wants more info about anything we talked about, specifically the Apple products, products, prices, release dates, all that stuff, and then uh, about the programs and the tire stuff. Check out the links in the show notes or on the GP website, of course. And then if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, if you have better jokes, uh, whatever you've got, send them our way on social media. You can hit us up. Handle is Gear Patrol, one word. Or you can email them and I will see that. Uh, email and I will respond to that email and share it around uh, with the people here. Uh, the email is podcast at gearpatrol.com. Uh, and of course, if you're listening, we hope you like the podcast and that you will subscribe um, if you haven't already. And please also rate the pod. Those five-star reviews help us keep the CFL lights on, if you will. Um, Eric, Thank you for coming back after all this time. Henry, congrats on your uh, promotion, deputy person. Um, That's good to have you both. Deputy director, person. Dir director, deputy CEO. <laughs> <laughs> deputy to the regional deputy. Um, well, thanks, guys. It's uh, you know always great talking with you, uh, getting your opinions, hot takes. And um, hopefully everybody will tune in next time for the next installment of the Gear Patrol podcast. For Gear Patrol... I'm Nick Caruso, and until then, take care.